You want to talk about the prologue in chapter one? Oh my gosh, do I? Oh, that did not sound enthusiastic. <laughs> Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Kelly, and this is a Court of Theories podcast, where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. Listen, I thought you'd never ask. It's a lot. So, in case y'all missed it, SJM shared the first two chapters, or well, the prologue in chapter one of Hofas on her website. SJM decided that she was just going to drop this bomb right into our lap. And honestly, I think it was a great move. Oh, I think so. I think it was a great marketing PR move after the crappy translations. I shouldn't say that. Someone probably worked very hard on that. I've seen where people have said that it's hard to translate an English written piece into another language and then to turn around and translate it back. It's just shitty because first off, the English language is... So fucking confusing anyways. Yeah. I mean, you all hear me on this show. I clearly don't have a grip on it. And it's the only one she speaks. Facts. I, I couldn't even come up with another language. I took two years of Spanish and three quarters of our class was told that we did not need to take Spanish three. <laughs> she sent away everyone else. And then there was like, again, three quarters of the class. And she said, all right, class, I don't think that Spanish three is for you. You have completed your two years of language, so <laughs> so Peace. fair enough. But it, it is a common move among authors to start releasing chapters. Sometimes they'll release the first three. So for her to do that really is like following a trend, but because of the fact that almost the entire novel was leaked. Has she ever done that before? As far as I know, no. I don't think so, but I didn't know. But it is a growing trend. And if you follow authors on Patreon, like Katie Robert is like, here is half the book before it releases. She wants the people to consume it. So I do think it was a very smart move. And then also it devastated us. Yeah, that part. Because there was just enough there, but never enough. I know that we start out the show every time saying that This podcast contains spoilers, but I'm going to go ahead and say, warning, if you're avoiding the prologue and first chapter, wait to listen until after you've read Hofas. This will be an in-depth discussion about SJM's official release of this piece of literature. (laughs) So if you are not wanting to take part in reading it before it comes out, get out of here. Kudos to you, because I'm not strong enough for that. So, (laughs) but also get out of here, Janelle. You're never going to get your kid back. (laughs) So we start out in the prologue and it's Lydia's POV. I have this opening line that sent the internet into a spiral. Mm-hmm. The hind knelt before her undying masters and contemplated how it would feel to tear out their throats. She's gonna, she's gonna grab a hold of one of them. Do you think it would work? Rip out their throats? Mm-hmm. Well, if she gets them off of their electric bidets, then I think it will. They have, they would have to be able to die somehow, right? I, don't know. I mean, I don't know. If they killed all the other ones, allegedly, they talked about that in Agatar, so I'm not giving anything away. And if they're allegedly the same, Silver Torque lay cool and heavy. It never warmed against her skin, as if the taken lives it symbolized wanted her to endure death's icy grip as well. A silver dart on a dread wolf uniform, the trophy for a rebel wiped off the face of Midgard. 
Lydia has acquired so many that her imperial grace couldn't hold them all, so many that they'd been melted down into the torque. Did anyone in the chamber see the necklace for what it truly was? A collar. With a golden leash leading right to the monsters before her. How weird to say the trophy for a rebel wiped off the face of Midgard. Why not just say a dead rebel? Yeah. Why does it have to be a rebel wiped off the face of Midgard? Weird. Because it ain't the only world. It ain't getting any better. They're going to be born in Prithian. Yeah. And then they pass through the Northern Rift. And and then I have on here, like, we've talked about what a torque is before, it, very briefly. Uh, but I just wanted to reiterate the meaning of it because SJM doesn't go into extreme details about someone's appearance unless we're to see more of it or, or for it to have a major significance. She's either way too vague or way too detailed. So Google tells us that a torque was the, quote, it jewel for ancient Mesopotamians, Scythians, Greeks, Romans, and the Celts. And it's an open neck ring that symbolizes rank, strength, and power. Can I be honest? I really thought that it was just like a giant shark tube shaped pendant on a necklace. That's what I thought a torque was. I don't know why. Oh. That's just what I came up with in my brain. Which like... It's not a piece. She of- said the other ones were darts, so I just imagined they melted it into a giant one, and she was like walking around with like. She's. I don't know why. Yep. Just wanted to share that with you. Uh, you know what? I respect it because it's not a piece of jewelry that's commonplace, especially for us. Also, because you know we do have the Arcesian amulet, and everybody's got some sort of necklace. Mm-hmm. So one of the big takeaways that I have from this is that Morvan and Einar are just pieces of shit who are willing to throw their children under the bus to save their own asses. Also for another POV to talk about the shield around a Valon and how Morvan doesn't want to test it out. If the Asteri can really pass through it or not, Mm -hmm. does it actually work or not? I think that that's just like a big question because we think about back when Valaris was infiltrated and they broke down the barrier to Valaris, could that be something that the Asteri could easily do? Or, you know, would they have to work for it a little bit? So I am just interested to see how the magic is similar to, like, Prithian's magic. Um, I have Cormac is gone, but his efforts are not forgotten, clearly, because everyone is super pissed <laughs> in that Asterian throne room. We don't have a body, so no body, no crime. Yeah. So we don't know if he's actually, I mean, everyone else can be reincarnated. I have on here Pollux. He going to be ding dong dead by the end of this. He better. Get that wing off of her leg, Pollux, you dirty son of a bitch. I'd like to kick it off. Get off of me. I can't decide if it'll be Lydia or Rune that kills him. Hopefully it's Rune because I really need him to off someone. I mean, we haven't really gotten like a good Rune killing somebody. Yeah. It's kind of mostly just been implied that Rune is like a badass. We haven't really seen him do anything, right? To be honest, I mean, like, I mean, he did get the star sword. He did, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. We haven't actively seen him, right? He's an ox leader, like, whatever. But I am really intrigued to see. I mean, Bryce, you know, she shot up my gun, <laughs> then vacuumed him up, and you know, she's proven her her uh, skills. I need to. I do. I just need to see Rune. I need. I just need to see him just fucking just shove a knife through an eyeball or something. That's very specific, but I don't know. One of those things. Uh, anything. Shoot somebody, stab somebody, chop off a head, twist off a head from a whole body like Hunt did. Like, 
I mean, any of it, just something. So then we find out that the Autumn King has not renounced Bryce's royal status, but is willing to shit all over her in runes. So Daddy Autumn, what'll it be? I don't know. Is he putting on a front for the Asteri? I don't know. Has he just been putting on a front the whole time? Because he's just trying to get as much information. I mean, he's obviously self-motivated. I feel like he's, yeah. I feel like he also probably has a rebel heart. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, see, I don't know. Because Lydia's also playing this huge game. Is that also the same game that he's playing to stay off the Asteri's radar? And I think so. Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty defiant here. He doesn't really cave and cower in a way that I thought that the Asteri would make him. Yeah. Because it it says that he stands tall. Do you think he knows that Lydia is also a rebel? I don't know. Like where he's like, I know where Rune is. I don't know. He's just a huge fucking mystery. And I think that there's going to be so much more that comes from him. One of the things that I like that would just with this release of the chapters early is that we do get to meet and get some more descriptors of additional Asteri. So Regelius, a 17 year old fay boy, which is so fucking weird. Also, I'm just going to call him a fay boy forever and ever and ever. He's a child. Yeah, it's weird. It's so weird. What so is this? Edward of him. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> we also keep pointing that out. What is the significance of it? It's very bone carver. Mm. I don't know. Anyways. And then we get Hesperus, um, the evening star. And so they have taken on the shape of a blonde nymph. And just for anyone that doesn't know, a nymph is a mythological spirit of nature imagined as a beautiful maiden that inhabits the river, woods, or just other locations. She's supposed to be real purdy, is basically what it's trying to say. Okay. And then we've got Polaris, the North Star. She is a white-winged, dark-skinned female angel. So I also just think it's very interesting that the Asteri are all different species. They didn't all choose to conform to Fae or they all almost are like representing something different. That is interesting because I kind of imagine the mouse all uniform yeah. looking. So yeah, so she's going to be a nymph. So Regalius had, you know, obviously which he's going to have the pointed because, like, ears. and like, Which is weird because Gwen, when she admits to being nymph, she makes it seem like they're lesser. So that's so weird to like, right? Take the body of someone that could be deemed lesser. Yeah, which I guess maybe in Midgard, since everyone's divided into like houses, maybe it's a little bit different than the social standings in Prithian. Because we do have the high fae and then the lesser fae, and then humans. Nobody likes humans. Me, me neither. The lesser fae is really just an Akatar, though, right? I mean, Juniper is. Because she's a fawn is treated. Right, but that's not Faye. No, but I get what you're saying. Okay. I mean, she's still considered a lesser, though. Okay. Which is bullshit. But she's also going to die. I just know I'd feel it in my gut. Um, Kappa's going to be detated. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Michael Scott. I am Michael Scott. You are Michael Scott. I know. And so then they sit on their crystal thrones, not to be confused with a throne of glass... You know what? I'm reading Throne of Glass right now. I just finished Assassin's Blade today, third, just like... Just like she intended. Yes. Um, And she keeps talking about 
the glass castle being built upon the original stone palace. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this the fucking same place? Mm-hmm. I know. Because Bryce talks about like catacombs underneath and mm-hmm. like, or Lydia says it in the prologue that, yep. that they're, they're filled with thousands of mystics or something all searching for Bryce. And I'm just like, is this literally the same place that freaking Elena is? And like, I started, so I started listening to Throne of Glass because I've just been itching to, mm-hmm. and that's why that was kind of fresh in my mind where Sounds I was like, like the same damn place. Yeah, it all does. So then from the text, but he asked Regalius with an authority that she could only admire, where is Bryce? Regalius sighed, bored and annoyed, a lethal combination. She has chosen to vacate Midgard. A mistake we shall soon rectify, Polaris added. Regalius shot the lesser Asteri a warning look. I tracked that too. And I put, I think this is a strange reaction for him to have. Because obviously... It it seems like... Uh, who was it? Polaris? They're not supposed to speak or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You're not going to say that that was a mistake. Yeah, that's true. Kind of showed a weakness. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't your intentions. You basically wanted her dead. Or maybe they're shitting on Regelius because he's the one that let her get away. I mean, maybe. <laughs> a mistake. And he's like, bitch, no. But he's, yeah, he's warning her. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I don't know. Um, the Autumn King said his voice is shade faint. Bryce is no longer in this world. See, and that's a moment where he's not necessarily showing emotion that's going to be like picked up on by maybe the Asteri because I don't feel like that they understand a whole lot about emotions or kind of like an Amran situation, but for Lydia to pick up on it. So that's what's also making me wonder... Does the Autumn King know about her? Does she know about him? You know? Yeah. So then Morvan glanced warily at the other Fey King. As far as anyone knew, there was only one place that could have been accessed from Midgard. There was an entire wall circling the northern rift in Nina to prevent its Dinzians from crossing into this world. If Bryce was no longer on Midgard, she had to be in hell. It had never occurred to Lydia that the wall around the rift would also be keeping Midgardians from getting out. I put interesting reaction from the Autumn King. I think he's going to go back and look at his Ori a little more. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so Morven is a Celtic Gaelic folklore. It means lives by the sea, child of the sea, or the sea gap. Which makes sense because of Valens and Island. It's the historic name of Morven, which is a beautiful peninsula in the Highlands on the west coast of Scotland. Oh. So, yeah. So, I mean, Avalon's an island. So, Avalon could very fucking well be the island off of the top of Prithian, which is essentially Scotland. Yep. Off of the night court. Yep. I swear to God, if these are all laid on top of each other and we've been right about this shit the whole fucking time, I'm going to be like... I'm going to shit a brick. I'm going to be just like punching the sky. Right. So excited. Oh, I, I'm going to kick in the wall, but... <laughs> you, I would hit a stud yeah. and break my fucking leg. <laughs> All right, so then I put, and of course, Regalius threatens them that no one is to find out about this or he's going to off them. So then uh, Lydia and Pollux are, you know, walking to the dungeon casually. And then she, of course, is talking about those mech suits. What the fuck is going to happen with those mech suits? Hmm, Sarah? Hmm? Hmm? No one has to be in them. Also, I really feel like that they're sitting on top of the House of Wind because they always talk about that they're on this ledge or like mountain. They describe it as like a mountain. Mount Hermon? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. 
I just, in my mind, because of the landscape of that, it's just described so similarly to the color of the House of Wind. And I don't know, it just really makes me feel like that that's where it is. I could be way off in left field, but it would almost have to be like a flat surface for all these mech suits for them to be sitting up there glinting and shining in the sun. So anyways, she mentions that they take the elevator down basically to like the basement, but they can't go to the lowest level. You have to like go around the stairs because that's the catacombs that house thousands of mystics that are specifically looking for Bryce. And Lydia kind of notes that hell pretty much can't just be the only place. Otherwise they would have found her. Who are these mystics? Where are the Asteri stealing these people from to stick them in water tanks? You know what I picture? You know what I picture? What? The Matrix. Oh. These like mystics or whatever. Yes. That was her inspo. Quinlan and Athalar are mates. She will return to this world because of that bond. And when she does, she will go straight to him. And then I put, this is for you, Liv. They are mates. Yeah. I definitely feel like she went back and put this in the fucking prologue. Yeah. She's like, quit talking about it, guys. She's tired of this. I'm tired of this, Grandpa. Athalar and Baxian dangled unconscious from the ceiling, their torsos patchwork of scars and burns in their backs. I mean, I've read some gruesome stuff because I read horror and true crime and crime fic, but something about their descriptions in this dungeon just does me in. It's some of the most gruesome things that I've read, and I don't know if it's just because I do love these characters a lot, and obviously don't don't you fucking do anything to Rune. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And I really started to get into Baxian's character, especially the more that we learned about him and Danica. Also the voice that Elizabeth Evans gives him. I'm like, I love him. I know. She does. You know I what? hated him the first time I read it. And then ever since I'm like, oh, Baxian. Like, oh, Baxian. Um, and Lydia couldn't look at the third figure hanging between them. Couldn't get a breath down near him. And I put, she going to kill them all. Not not them. She's going to kill all the Asteri, Pollux. They all going down. Mm-hmm. Meet me in the club. It's going down. Baxian still hung unconscious. Pollux had beaten him into a bloody pulp last night after severing his and Athlar's wings with a blunt tooth saw. <clears throat> the hellhound didn't so much as stir. And Pollux is going to D.I.E. die. And don't even get me started about runes piercings. Yeah. And then we go on to they've never spoken mind to mind outside of their dreaming, but she's been trying since he'd arrived here again and again. She'd cast her mind towards his only silence answered. This sounds a whole lot like a Daimati and that rune has his walls up around his mind. And I I'm convinced that he has them up because he knows that he can't give anything away. I've also wondered Speaking of Daymati, I've just I've wondered if Lydia can read minds like that, like just the way she's able to know freaking everything. I'm like, yeah. I feel like she has that and she's hiding it. Yeah, I think even without like, the calm crystal, I think that's what's made her such a good agent this entire time. And who do we think that Lydia is going to use that barbed wire on next? Pollux? She better. So then we go on to chapter one, which is in Bryce's POV, part one, the drop. Which I think is just a very interesting title. Title. The darkness seemed inherent to the three people standing across from her. A petite female in gray silk and two winged males clad in black scale-like armor. One of them, the beautiful, powerful male in the center of the trio, literally rippling with shadows and stars. Resan, he'd called himself. The one 
who looked so much like Rune. She's going to put two and two together. I just know it. She's just like, well, he looks a whole lot doppelganger. Maybe she'll see Lucid and she'll be like, Dad? <laughs> or Eris. Yeah. I think I think she's going to see Eris and she's going to be like, he's in this world too? Oh my <laughs> God. Fucking shit. Because listen, we all know that Eris is a hottie and obviously the Autumn King is a hottie. That's true. And Lucian's... A hottie. Yeah, but I just meant like his dad's Helian, not... Oh, right, 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 right. Not right, right, Baron. Right. That's what I was trying to get at. Which we know that Helian's a hottie. Right. Yeah. I mean... But I would assume that Einar would look more like Eris than Lucian. Yes. That's what I was trying to say. Oh. I'm picking up what you're throwing down now. Yeah. I just thought we were just naming all of the hotties. And I was like, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, Helian with those armbands. Oh, Woo! God. Man, those armbands. <laughs> Are we going to get our husband some of those for Valentine's Day? Yeah, I, I mean... He's going to be like, what the fuck is this? Put it on. Here's a twerk. Wear it. Yo, wear it. <laughs> so then you said your name is Bryce Quinlan, that you come from another world, Midgard. Reese murmured to the winged male beside him, translating perhaps. And I put, thank Cathona that he's bilingual from his ancient studies. Also, Reese is not amused nor charmed by Bryce. Maybe it's the hot pink shoes. <laughs> she just keeps saying stuff about her hot pink shoes and her like leggings and shit. I'm like, she is? There was like multiple times throughout HOSAB that she talked about her shoes. Oh, really? Yeah. Like very specific. So I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Just out of place or what? I guess. Master of spinning bullshit indeed. So maybe I'm here for that. Maybe the sword since the dagger and brought me to it. Silence. Then the silent hazel-eyed warrior laughed quietly. How had he understood without resand translating? Unless he could simply read her body language, her tone, her scent. I just think it's very interesting. The warrior spoke with a low voice that skittered down her spine. Resan glanced at him with raised brows, then translated for Bryce with equal menace. You're lying. <laughs> Bryce, meet the spy master. Spy master, Bryce. She was like lying by omission, I guess, but like, she wasn't technically lying. I don't know. Yeah, I think that we're seeing a lot more of the way that the inner circle has to be perceived for the night court to remain like such a feared court. Or I just mean, I don't know. She's like, maybe I'm here because of the sword and the dagger. And he's, so I guess she, she's hiding the part about running from the Asteri. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think that they know that there's so much more that she's lit. Like she's definitely holding back. Um, I just watched my mate and my brother get captured by a group of integral intergalactic parasites she snarled i have no interest in doing anything except finding a way to help them resan looked to the warrior who nodded not taking his gaze off bryce for so much as a blink well resan said to bryce crossing his muscled arms that's true at least not asriel functioning as resan's personal lie detector impressive though it just solidifies that as is much more than an illyrian that has been hinted at for Basically five fucking books, four and a half books <laughs> from the novella. I do not pry where I am not willingly invited. Bryce lurched back in the chair, nearly knocking it over at the smooth male voice in her mind, Resan's voice. But she answered, thanking Luna for keeping her own voice cool and collected. Code of mind speaking ethics. <laughs> She's such a shit. She's such a shit. <laughs> 
And then I have, at least they have standards because Reese could just tear into that motherfucking mind. He did that to Farah. He did not ask for her consent. He just like showed up in her, in her mind. He literally had claws around her mind. So this is it then. This is where we, the Midgar Fae, originated. My ancestors left this world and went to Midgard and we forgot where we came from. And then the fucking debate about this can end in a true crossover fashion. She just solidified that, oh, yeah, that is actually what happened. Mm -hmm. They came from here. I know. I feel like we got so much (laughs) dumped on us. I know. (laughs) These first two pieces. Right? Everyone was bitching about the 100 pages of Earth and Blood. Let's talk about this one chapter. The corner of Reese's mouth curled upward. We will not torture it from you, nor will I pry it from your mind. If you choose not to talk, it is indeed your choice. Precisely as it will be my choice to keep you down here until you decide otherwise. Bryce couldn't stop herself from coolly surveying the room, her attention lingering on the grate and the hissing that drifted up from it. Dragons? Girl dragon? I'll be sure to recommend it to my friends as a vacation spot. And then Reese loves a good choice option anywhere he goes. You haven't seen it in 15,000 years or spoken this language in nearly as long, which lines up perfectly with the timeline of the Starborn Fae arriving in Midgard. And it seems like these worlds lay right on top of each other, putting them in the same time zone. Field? Happening at the same time? You get it. Time is only a construct. Everything is made up. Mm -hmm. Nothing is real. It is in our history, Rhysian, Amran said gravely, but the Asteri were not known by that name. Here they were called the Daglin. So then I put Asteri equals Daglin, another theory given to us on a silver platter. Yeah. Asriel, without Rhysian to translate, watched in silence. Bryce could have sworn shadows wreathed him like runes, yet wilder, the way Cormax had been. It's just weird. Um... So Rune's darkness seemed more similar to Reese, but Cormac was close to what we know of Shadow Singers. But if shadows are in a Valen Fae's gifts, then how is Azrael one? We're told Shadow Singers are not specific to any courts, but there are no Shadow Singer Fae in Midgard than a Valen Fae. But Azrael has a unique way with his shadows, given that magic is more powerful in Prithian. Because we do, we do know that Midgard is basically like a watered-down version of magic. The Veritas Orb, Amran said, and Azrael lifted an eyebrow. Oh, damn. Hmm, 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 hmm. Rhysand mastered himself, a cool mask sliding into place. You live in such a world. It wasn't entirely a question, but Bryce nodded yes, and they want to bring all of that here? Yes. Rhysand stared ahead, thinking it through. Azrael just kept his eyes on the space where the orb had displayed the utter destruction of her world. Dreading and yet calculating. She'd seen that look before on Hunt's face, a warrior's mind at work. I also just think it's very interesting that just given the ship wars, that that is the parallel that was made between Azrael and Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just think that's very interesting. Um, she showed them the destruction and all the weapons the Asteri have. She even showed them Regalius, Reese, Azrael, and even Amran seem at a loss for words. Bryce examined the silver bean that lay smooth and gleaming in her hand. Amran, <laughs> Amran said without looking at her, you swallow it and it will translate our mother tongue for you, allow you to speak it too. Fancy, Bryce murmured. And then I put, she dry swallowed that pill. Also, why did she just not call it a pill? Why is it a silver bean? I... Does she not have fucking pills in Midgard? Come on. Reese still could have offered her some fucking water. Bean or pill or not. She dry swallowed that. Yeah. 
I feel like that I'm the only one that really caught on that she had to like build up saliva in her mouth. Also, where is it going to go? Is it going to be like whenever Hunt put that tracker in there for three days? She's only going to translate for three days? I don't know. I had the same thought. She's going to have to shit that out. But then, it, I mean, then it seems like it explodes in her body or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. What no, you're here. right. She had to <laughs> Never mind. It gets in and it's like, poof. Yeah. <laughs> like a ink tag when yeah. you steal something. Oh, I've mm-hmm. never done that, but theoretically, I think that's how they Okay, work. but listen. So we used to have them whenever I worked at Victoria's Secret. They were being phased out. I heard that was like fake, that they wasn't, there wasn't actually ink in them. No, there is. There is? There is. We, would ha- we had just a few and they were being phased out. And we had one that exploded on the register oh shit because it wouldn't come off you know it's just all magnetized and then it broke and i mean ink everywhere bra ruined ink blue ink everywhere what is it that frankie muniz like liar liar where he's dyed blue is that what it is i don't know i don't know anyways it was a mess so yes it it is for real for now anything just go off whenever they're left on. Yeah, they're just a. There's nothing in it. It's just uh, a magnet. Anyways, anyways, uh, Amron turned to Rhysand and said, "In that, in that new strange language, their language, the glowing letters inked on her back. They're the same as those in the book of breathings." And then I put, which was thrown into the con- cauldron by Farah and plopped into Jezebel's hands. <laughs> Do you think it just like fell out of the sky? She was just like, oh. No, I think she was the weaver and they're swimming around in the void and grabbed it. Stuck no, it under her arm. You were <laughs> She said, This is mine. Yeah. Back off. Then Azrael said in a soft, lethal voice, explain, or you die. And I think we are seeing the true spy master in Azrael with this line. I know you think it's hokey. Just say it. It's hokey. But that's that's kind of the things that we've picked up on. That's all we got. That's all we got. That's all we were given. That's all we were given. But I'm excited. Me too. Uh, also, my my tum tums and knots because I'm like, well, we have to wait a few more days. That's not fair. It's not. But I'm glad we were able to put this together. I know for the people, for the people, by the people, and for the people of the people, for the people, by the people. In God, we trust on the quarter. I don't. I have no idea. Yep. <laughs> Only a few days. If you're going to a premiere party, have a blast. We're going. We're going to one. We're going. We're going to have so much fun. It's going to be way past our bedtimes. We're going to try to go live. So if you're not at a party and you wish you were, you can hang out with us. Yeah. At our little indie bookstore. I hope that you enjoyed that. And we'll see you in a couple of days on our official episode drop. See you Thursday. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.